on a mission. It's a mission to turn our world upside down. That happens when people hear the good news of Jesus. So get ready for God to turn you upside down. Some years ago, I was meeting with a middle-aged married couple. The husband was going through some issues, and those issues were hurting his marriage. At one point, I asked him, So how many friends do you have? How many male friends do you have? He didn't hesitate. With his thumb and forefinger, he formed a big zero. Zero friends. This from a man so successful in his business, so active in his church, raising a family, yet he had no friends. Zero friends. I think there's many men like that. Yes, they have their sports buddies and acquaintances at work. They'll chat with some guys at the gym. They might have some connection with a brother or a brother-in-law. But none of those really are his friends, not close friends. Things become much more difficult for a man if he's uprooted himself from where he was born and raised. If he's moved away from his old networks, his old school chums, well, basically, he has to find new friends as an adult. And that isn't always so easy. I had to do that myself. Three times, in fact. As a pastor uprooting myself, moving away to be a pastor in new churches, in completely new places. I could keep up with a handful of friends, and today that's a bit easier with WhatsApp and social media, But most friendships simply don't survive a cross-country move. It's sort of out of sight, out of mind. Over the past couple years, I've been reading several books about friendship, particularly about men and their male friendships. I think generally, friendships can be classified on four levels. Uh, Think of a pyramid. At the base of that pyramid, there are friends who are really just acquaintances. And most of us have lots of acquaintances. We probably know their first names. We might greet them in the neighborhood, on the street, or at the coffee shop. We have acquaintances at the office. How's it going, Bob? Most men have many acquaintances, maybe even 20 or 30 of them. But are they friends? Let's be honest. No, they're not friends. We might not even know their telephone number. One level up from that on the friendship pyramid is casual friendship. Casual friendship. For these friends, well, we know more about them than we do our acquaintances. For example, we might know their last names. We might have basic knowledge about their family. We probably know whether they're married or single. And if they're married, we might know something about their spouse and their children. We might know something about their job. For guys, the casual friend could be a a neighbor that we're hanging out with maybe once a month. We're watching a sports event together on TV or we go to a game together. Higher up on that pyramid of friendship is close friendship. With close friends, we see each other much more often than with our casual friends. We also share our lives and our thoughts more deeply than with those who are casual friends. But think of that pyramid shape. In a pyramid, the higher you go up, the smaller the space. So it is with close friends on that third level. 
The space is smaller. We don't have that many close friends. In fact, the research shows that the majority of men don't have any close friends. That's shocking to me. Now, of course, that depends somewhat on how you define being close. What is a close friend? For me, closeness implies being comfortable to share some inner feelings. It means talking openly about some of your joys and sorrows with that friend, being willing even to take some risks in that relationship, talking about your struggles in life. Sometimes even you can go through a little conflict with that close friend. You can be honest with each other. You can even get a little angry with each other, and you end up working through that conflict. The two of you are close enough that you know that if you're honest, he won't cut you off. Now, in this connection, I have a theory about men who are followers of Jesus, believers. Generally, I think we as male believers probably have more close friends in our lives than does the typical male, especially if we're involved in our church, especially if we're involved in a small group in our church. My male friends at church are really quite open with me, and I'm also quite open with them. I think male friendship is made so much easier when we have a common faith in Jesus. We're at a whole deeper level of sharing. Now, the highest level of friendship, it's at the very top of the pyramid. We can call it intimate friendship. The emotionally intimate friend is really a soul brother. He's as close or closer than any biological brother. If you have some emergency, this is a guy who'll drop everything to give you help. He deeply, deeply cares about you. And over time, over the years, you've confided in him and he has confided in you. You trust him with some of your secrets and you know that he'll never break confidentiality. If you have an intimate friend or two of them, you are indeed very blessed. So what does the Bible say about friendship? What does the Bible say about men having friends, other male friends? Now, of course, we know the Bible isn't a handbook on friendship. In fact, it's not a handbook on anything. It's not teaching us how to make friends or maintain friends. Remember, the Bible is mainly about Jesus, God's plan to save sinners, God the Father sending His Son Jesus into our world to save us from our sins. Yet the Bible does provide us with some thoughts, some principles, even some applications about forming genuine friendships. For example, I think about the two greatest commandments. The first commandment, that we love God above all. And secondly, that we must love people. Our love for other people includes, obviously, loving our friends, including our male friends. Now, let me stop here. I'm going to raise something you've probably already thought about, or if you're not thinking about it now, you will in this podcast. If you're a man, if you've had close male friendships, or if you're starting to think about developing more male friends, you'll think about this. When the Bible talks about loving a male friend, loving another guy, well, let's admit it. Some of us just get a bit creeped out. (laughs) For many of us, it raises the topic of homosexuality or of homophobia. One expert in the field of male friendship is Dr. Robert Garfield. 
He's a psychotherapist and a professor at the University of Pennsylvania. He's written a book entitled Breaking the Male Code with a subtitle, Unlocking the Power of Friendship. Breaking the Male Code, Unlocking the Power of Friendship. Dr. Garfield says that three big barriers get in the way of male friendships. He calls them dementors. The big three are these, machismo, homophobo, and dumbo. (laughs) Sort of clever wording, isn't it? Machismo, we all know what that is. That's the macho guy thing. It's the, I can do anything, and I'll do it on my own, in my own way. It's the tough guy mentality. Even about this topic of having guy friends. Many men will say, or they'll think, what, me? Do I need friends? Look, I have my girlfriend, and I know plenty of guys. We hang out together. What's all this talk about sharing our emotions, sharing our inner life? That's not my style. That's typical machismo. I mean, what guy wants to admit that he might have a problem in the friendship department? Homophobo is another barrier identified by Dr. Garfield. Homophobo makes most of us uncomfortable when another guy says he loves us as a friend. Not that we necessarily think that he's coming on to us physically, but it's just this idea of becoming emotionally intimate with another guy. I well remember a much older pastor in my life. I had been in my ministry some years behind me. He was well into his 80s when he started becoming more of my friend, and our friendship continued well into his 90s. Eventually, he lived far from me, So we had to keep in touch by phone. Occasionally we would see each other, but mostly it was by phone. In my last phone call with him, he said near the end of the conversation, I love you. Now this, from a guy who was an old-fashioned pastor, you know the type, that type who always wore a suit, who rarely went without a tie. I never saw him in blue jeans. So when he said to me on the phone, I love you, well, I was kind of shocked. I I can't remember how I responded, but I do remember this. I felt very uncomfortable. I I felt awkward. I didn't really know how to respond. Within a few months of that phone call, he died, and I was never able to talk to him again. As I reflect back on that phone call, I think my older friend gave me a gift. It was a kind of verbal gift, a kind of emotional gift. Though I didn't know how to receive that gift, I still had to think about it, and I think I'm coming to some answers. And one thing I've had to do is to reflect on my own awkwardness. That when a man says to me, I love you, well, it just feels awkward. It's happened to me a few times since then. And I think it's the same awkwardness some of us feel if another guy gives us a big hug, especially one of those, well, you know, sort of lingering hugs. (laughs) You know the type. Now, interestingly, I think much of this homophobo seems to come from our modern Western culture. Compare Western men to those in most Arabic or Mediterranean cultures. In those cultures, middle-aged men will walk down the streets publicly, hand in hand. They think nothing of it. 
teenage boys will drape their arms around their buddy's shoulders, not just for 10 seconds, but for 10 minutes or longer. Likewise, many men in Mediterranean cultures will greet each other with a kiss. You see that also, of course, in France and in some Eastern European countries. You know, in the Bible, the Apostle Paul commands believers to, quote, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, I thought that command was found only once or twice in the Bible, but it's actually found five times. Wow! And Paul doesn't limit that command to believing men kissing believing women only. No, he means that men should kiss each other also. Now, in our Western culture today, we men will sometimes kiss a woman on the cheek, even another man's wife, but he better not try to kiss her husband. That would sure cause a scandal. Now, in the context of the Bible and Bible times, we have to understand that greeting by kissing was just part of the Near Eastern culture of that day. So it's a command that isn't binding necessarily on us today. Yet I do wonder, I wonder this, if men in those days naturally felt closer to other men, maybe that physical closeness also produced a more emotional closeness. Maybe. You know, the Bible tells us other things about male friendships. For example, the Apostle John says more than once that he was the disciple whom Jesus really loved. Jesus deeply loved John. And there are references to times when they were eating where John would be leaning on Jesus. And Jesus openly spoke about his deep love for the twelve disciples, or at least for the eleven faithful disciples. And the disciples openly spoke about their love for him. For three or three and a half years, this was a close-knit band of brothers. We don't have time to explore the details of the most celebrated male friendship in the Bible. That was the friendship of David and Jonathan, found in the Old Testament. Interestingly, when modern scholars write about their deep friendship, they always raise the question of homosexuality. I think that in itself shows us how far we moderns have drifted away from the idea of intimate male friendships. And again, homophobo raises a threatening voice. When Jonathan is later killed in battle, David weeps and mourns for his friend. He weeps and mourns for days. And he says this, quote, I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of women. Now try saying that today in the year 2020. According to Dr. Garfield, the main barriers to male friendship are these three, machismo, homophobo, and then dumbo. (laughs) Dumbo is how we men often respond when we're confronted even gently by our wives. Honey, did you notice that bump on your skin? Maybe you should make an appointment and have it looked at. And what do we men say? Bump? What bump? No, I didn't even notice it. Even if we did notice, we're going to pretend that we didn't. Dumbo. Strange creatures, aren't we, men? Look, if we won't admit to a bump, then surely we're not going to admit easily to having a friendship problem, nor to admit that we have an emotional and psychological need for deeper friends. Nah, me? I don't think I have a problem. 
I'm doing just fine. That's the dementor, as Dr. Garfield calls it, of male Dumbo. So let's attack Dumbo and machismo and homophobo, and let's try to be honest. Most of us men are somewhat lonely, and some of us are very lonely. And here's something more recent in our society, say, over the past 10 years or so. The lonely male today can conveniently keep his headphones or his earbuds on at all times in public. So I want to add this as a fourth dementor, adding it to Dr. Garfield's three. Let me call it headphono, along with cellphono. You know, there's this guy at my gym. He's a married man with children, and he and I have begun a kind of acquaintanceship. He's chatted with me as we enter the gym, or sometimes as we leave. Occasionally, he's working out on a machine next to mine. But most of the time, he's just wearing his earbuds. I know it's not his intention, but it's quite off-putting. I mean, how can I start a conversation with him? How can I learn more about him, or he learn more about me? So I just give him a nod, I smile, and in silence, we continue working out. You know, a decade ago, a guy could make a casual comment to another guy, even to a complete stranger. But who of us guys is going to attempt to talk to some guy wearing his earbuds? With headphono, there's just no opportunity to even start a friendship. Oh, and let's not even start talking about all the barriers to friendship now erected by coronavirus. Keep your distance. Stop talking. Be afraid very afraid. Now listen, I'm not saying that all men should have lots of friends. I personally like a lots of friends, but there are, there are other men who just can have a few friends, and that's all right. I think I'm just saying that most of us could have and probably should have more friends or more close friends, more intimate friends. Dr. Garfield writes this in his book. He says there's two times in life, especially when men need male friendships. The first time is in the early marriage stage, with the first children being born. Most men have a very hard time adjusting to those changes in life. And the pressures at this stage in life are immense for most younger men, not only figuring out how to build a good marriage, but then how to juggle the time commitments and the stress of having the first baby. Many men will sacrifice their male friendships during those first years of marriage. And according to Dr. Garfield, there's another time in life when male friendships are very important, and that's in the empty nest years, the pre-retirement or newly retired years, say 55 to 65, sometimes a bit beyond 65. Dr. Garfield quotes Michael Gurian. Gurian is a well-known marriage and family counselor. He's written about 30 books. Several of them have become New York Times bestsellers. One of his books is entitled, The Wonder of Aging, A New Approach to Embracing Life After 50. Gurian observes this, quote, Men are often likely to lose their sense of purpose and identity somewhat dangerously as they age. Men often experience a sense of meaning during their peak work years, during their peak family years. 
but later they start feeling confused about what constitutes meaning as life goes on. Often, he writes, suicide becomes the main response to their depression. Even suicide, wow. And sadly, a man's acquaintances or casual friends will think that everything's okay. They won't even see signs of depression or any warning signs of potential suicide. You see, there's no real deep sharing with a buddy at the gym or with Bob at the office. We all need closer and more intimate friends. Now let me conclude on a more encouraging note. The good news is this. If we men are honest with ourselves, most of us can admit that we do need deeper friendships. We all need a couple of close friends and maybe just one intimate friend. I wonder, how's that for you personally? Do you need, as a man, some deeper male friendships? I know that I do. And I'm working to break the barriers of machismo and homophobo and dumbo and, yes, headphono. In this episode, I'm challenging myself, and I want to challenge most men to just admit it. And women, maybe you can help the men in your life in this department, in the friendship department. The literature that I've been reading says this, that if men will have more male friends, deeper friends, their relationships with women will get better also. So women, maybe you can give a nudge to the men in your life. And here's some more good news. Dr. Garfield observes that most men already have a very large pool of friends, at least on the more basic levels, on the acquaintance level, and on the casual friendship level. So that what we men have to do is this, how to build on those already existing friendships. Just build on your existing friendships. In the next episode, I'm going to share some of the things I've learned in that about building deeper and better friendships and maybe a few words about how to find new friends. Let me close with a couple of Bible verses, verses taken from the book of Ecclesiastes. In the context, it's about men, about male friendships. I've used these same verses, of course, uh, for a wedding or a marriage, about a husband and a wife, but in the context, in the original context, is really speaking about men. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12. Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls, and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Okay, that's not something sexual. It's about traveling through the mountain passes and near freezing temperatures in those days. Now continuing with verse 12. Though one man may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Indeed, two or three friends together, so much better than one man all alone. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Randall. 
This podcast is produced by my brothers in Christ, Dennis and Moses. Won't you tell your friends about us? We're Mission Upside Down. Thank you.